It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Punk rock. Three chords. Four of you. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. Let's go! Hey, everybody. I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the summer 1977 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. I am, I, I mean, I say this every episode, I'm really excited about this playlist, but I have been listening to this playlist for I don't know how long, and, and I love all of it. It is so cool. Yeah, well, it seems like every rundown episode I say... This is the best playlist yeah, yet. I think so. This yeah. really is the best playlist yet. Um, just because the music just keeps getting better and better. Right. So, I mean, Exhibit A, let's just jump right into it. Sure. Richard Hell and the Voidoids, Blank Generation, off of the album Blank Generation. This is a classic. Yeah. I was saying that. Such a gamble when you get a face It's fascinating to observe what the mirror does But when I dine it for the wall and I set a place I belong to the blank generation And I can take it or leave it each time Well, I belong to the generation But I can take it or leave it each time That song right there is pretty much punk rock that's what punk rock is that is the the embodiment of punk rock right there that's a great song yeah so before i before we started prepping for the show this was the only richard hell song i was familiar with Uh Um, but it is you know i keep talking about this fantasy playlist someday i'll make of the first wave of balls out punk songs this would definitely go on it. This, this is, is well, it's iconic. This, this is a contender for, you know, the theme song for Gen Xers. Yeah. Uh, well, now we're we're gonna talk about Richard Hell later on in the show. So. So right now, why don't we just get into uh, what was going on in 1977, the summer of 1977? <clears throat> well, a lot of great music was being being released. Here's what else was going on. Um, Movies of note were the James Bond movie, The Spy Who Loved Me, The Hills Have Eyes, and Kentucky Fried Movie. So not the greatest summer for movies. (laughs) Um, The number one songs in the U.S. were Undercover Angel by Alan O'Day, Da Do Ron Ron by Sean Cassidy, I Just Want to Be Your Everything by Andy Gibb, I'm In You by Peter Frampton, Best of My Love by The Emotions, Your Love Has Lifted Me Higher and Higher by Rita Coolidge, Don't Stop by Fleetwood Mac, The Star Wars Theme Cantina Band by Mecco. Oh, yeah. Remember you remember that? that? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, debuting TV was Soap, The Richard Pryor Show, Chips, and The Love Boat. Mm-hmm. And notable events. Carter establishes the Department of Energy. The son of Sam, David Berkowitz, yeah. is arrested. Yeah. Uh, there was the last execution in France by guillotine. Wow. And um, 
anti-apartheid activist Steve Biko dies after being beaten and tortured by police. Mm-hmm. Huh. It was a crazy summer. Yeah, apparently. There was also that big blackout in New York City. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So let's talk about the second awesome album that was released in the summer of 1977, <laughs> Elvis Costello's debut album, My Aim is True. I will say this. I'm not an Elvis Costello fan. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I listen to his stuff and I've, I've kind of dug it, you know. I wouldn't turn it off. Um, but I don't normally listen to a full album. The hits off of this were Allison... The Angels Want to Wear My Red Shoes, Less Than Zero, and Watching the Detectives, which technically mm-hmm. wasn't on the original release, but um, got added to the American release. Happens to be my favorite song on the album, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rolling Stone thinks Allison is the 318th greatest song of all time, and Watching the Detective is the 350 54th greatest song of all time. <laughs> so I love Elvis Costello. I know. I know. And um, you are, by the end of this podcast, you're going to love Elvis Costello too. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping you take me on that trip and, and educate yeah. me enough that I'm going to yeah. really appreciate um, it. This is not my favorite Elvis Costello album. I mean, it depends on the question you ask. If, mm. if you ask me if it's the best Elvis Costello album, I will say no. If you ask me which album has the strongest written songs, I would say this album. Interesting. The problem with this album is this is Elvis Costello. This isn't Elvis Costello and the Attractions. So the the Attractions get together with Elvis Costello for the next album. The Attractions are I, I, I words fail to describe what an awesome band they are. Oh, okay. They are one of the greatest backing bands ever. Now, this album, the reason why I don't like it is because um, the the music is just sluggish. Mm-hmm. So this this would almost certainly be my favorite Elvis Costello album if the band had been the Attractions. That's interesting. But. Um, it's a the the backing band was just a you know four higher band called Clover. Let's let's clear up some myths and yeah. and incorrect rumors about Clover. So Clover was not Huey Lewis in the news. Huh. Here's the I deal with Clover. Yeah. Well, that's that's what everyone says. Oh yeah, Huey Lewis in the news played on the Elvis Costello album. That's there's a little bit of truth to that, but but that statement is not true. Okay. So, um, Elvis Costello. So Stiff Records wanted Elvis Costello to be a songwriter. He they wanted him to write songs for their other artists, but you know things evolved and it was it evolved into Elvis Costello recording his own album so they hired this band called Clover to come in now one of the members of Clover 
was Huey Lewis. He was um, ah. he was not one of the founding members, but at that point he was one of the members. He played harmonica and was a second lead vocalist. That's fantastic. But, but Huey Lewis was not part of those sessions. Mm -hmm. So he w he was part of Clover, but wasn't during the recording sessions, which, now, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Clover actually had gigs on their own at this yeah. point. And so rather yeah. than, than label them as Clover back in the day, they called them Shamrock just so that it wouldn't kind of confuse oh. with, with okay. their own, with their own, you know, their own stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and I, as far as the playlists go, we are, we were very simpatico yeah. this time around, weren't we? I had a, I had a we? feeling. We, yeah. We've got a lot of out, um, songs, like top pick songs that we we absolutely matched up with mm -hmm. so blank generation was the first one this was the second one i'm not angry by europe's this the boyfriend where i'm left you to listen i hear you calling his name i hear the stutter of ignition said that watching the detectives is my favorite song on the album but i actually in this case didn't kind of put watching the detectives into the equation i'm not angry is my favorite song on yeah. this 12 track album and uh, i think the background whispering in, in the song is a little silly but the keyboards are so cool yeah th this is a great song allison really is one of my all-time favorite songs period mm -hmm. but that's a little too obvious to feature on, on yeah. the show so yeah, it's the big one all right, let's move on to Split Ends, yeah. one of our very favorite oh, yeah. Zolo bands. Now, they're not sounding nearly as Zolo, this album. This, I, My suspicion is that this is their transition album mm -hmm. um, because their last album, typically when I describe a, an album as unlistenable, that means I think it's an awful album. <laughs> their, their last album, I actually thought was was interesting and pretty good but i also found it unlistenable because it was just too frantic it was it was too much for my brain to handle this album they're really kind of getting their act together um yeah. and and they're a lot more accessible well you know this is this is their i think what their third album this is um, their third album but yeah. it's the first album that they've done without two of their founding members phil judd mm -hmm. and uh mike tune i think his name is um mm -hmm. they brought in a couple other guys actually th i think they had three new members and and so i think that's part of that transition you talked about you know yeah so this is i would describe this album as being much more cabaret than mm -hmm. zolo yeah um it's and it, i believe that this had their first real hit um 
which we're about to hear called My Mistake, which of course didn't do anything here in the States, but um, got some real traction in the UK. I went out to see if I could fall again. That was my How do you feel about this album? First of all, do you like this album better than their last one? Do you like the direction um, they're going in, or do you I, like I, them at their wacky, wackiest yeah. and zaniest? I have to say that I think I like the last album better. Um, I did enjoy this album, though. I really did. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, honestly, I like the horns. I like uh, how how he's he's kind of getting used to his vocal, what I call the vocal flex, you know, Danny Elfman did it where he'd, he'd kind of play with his vocal cords and see what kind of sounds, this is like he's, the band is kind of settling into what their sound is supposed to be like or what they want their sound to be like, so I enjoy the album um, Yeah, it's, but, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they progress right. over the next um, 10 years right. uh, because I, I I don't know much about them but I think that they make quite a journey yeah so yeah it's good i like it yeah next album released was the boomtown rats um debut album called the boomtown rats this of course um their most famous song uh was i don't like mondays not on this album right um bob geldoff is the lead singer now this album by far, like by a country mile, is my least favorite album this um, this season released this season. Mm. I I did not did not care for this album. It wasn't a terrible album, but boy, uh, it just doesn't do anything for me. They're just kind of a pub rock band. It feels like at this point, and uh, you know, it's. I mean, it's I I actually enjoyed the album, but I like the Boomtown Rats a lot. Um, and um, I don't know. I, I kind of found myself kind of rocking out to it, but yeah, not my favorite album in the set, that's for sure. Yeah. So they had um, two uh, singles released in the UK that got a little bit of traction. Um, Looking after number one, and then Mary of the Fourth Form. Um, so Mary of the Fourth Form is that? I it. <laughs> <laughs> that is like that is born to be wild. They yes. just completely lifted that song. Um, so uh, they were an Irish band, but they moved to England before their first release. Um, and to me, Bob Geldof is just um, just trying way too hard to be Mick Jagger. It's just huh. not working for me. And the songwriting is is unremarkable, I think. I would agree um, with you on that, yeah. Yeah, so I um, I didn't even pick a song off this album. I, I was just like, all of the songs I thought were okay, but not very engaging. Mm-hmm. So I just I just said, I'm going to defer to your pick. So what did, what did you pick for this? Well, I, I agree with you in the fact that the songwriting, the lyrics just aren't that 
they're not that great um but there is a sound that i like and when i hear that sound i, I you know i just start i go for it so i chose never bite the hand the hand that feeds uh as my song as my song because i, I feel like it had that sound that i just enjoy mm-hmm. well this is um this has been growing on me. I've l- listened to it probably 15 or 20 times at this point. And it's slowly growing on me yeah. to, to say that I I like it rather than I'm kind of ambivalent about it like I was before. So maybe if I listened to the whole album 15 or 20 times, I would feel <laughs> the same way. But I'm not going to do that. So uh, let's take a listen. Tell me what you do. feeds feel it's a great song it's a good song there's a couple others on here that i like i am not going to try to convert you to be a boomtown rats fan like i'm hoping you'll convert me to be a novice <laughs> costello fan <laughs> well i i actually had a couple of um or maybe it was just one boomtown rats um album when i was growing up and that was the fine art of surfacing you know yeah. that had um i uh, i uh Mondays. I don't like Mondays. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> totally yeah. blanking out on that. Yeah. And I actually had a couple of Bob Geldof's solo albums. Mm. And I I mean, it's possible that I might turn around on Bob Geldof and the Boomtown Rats, mm. but it doesn't seem likely to me. I, I just don't think it's my cup of tea. And either way, he's made a big contribution to the music industry, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so the next band we're going to talk about, this is, I, I think that I can, tr- I can honestly say this is the first album that is by a band that I didn't know anything about. Like, no. I, I don't know that I'd ever heard of the boys. Yeah. I don't, I'm not familiar with any of their songs. So i like went into this album kind of with mixed feelings because on one hand i was excited because it's like oh my gosh here is a complete new punk band that i've never heard before and it could be awesome it could be my new favorite band mm-hmm. but on the other on the other hand if i've never heard one of their songs and never heard of them then really how good could they be <laughs> Um, I mean, I might have heard of them in reference, but, you know, there was the Soft Boys and there was the Dead Boys, so maybe, you know, yeah. maybe I conflated them, but I I have no sense of who they were. So I was hoping, you know, going into this album that this would be a lost gem. And as I went along, I started listening to it, and song after song, my heart started sinking and sinking. It was just, it was feeling to me like the Vibrators album, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's just like unremarkable kind of boilerplate punk. Um, And then halfway through, once you got to side two, it suddenly got interesting. So I don't don't know if the studio just like, front-loaded the album 
kind of hedging their bets and so they took all of the sort of like more standard rock songs and put them to the front hoping that it would appeal to not just a punk crowd um but all of the interesting songs as far as i'm concerned are on the second half of the album very good they had um they had a uh, sizable hit in the UK called First Time, which is about exactly what you think it's about. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is not a song that has aged very well. So um, there's that. It's, uh, you know, it's it, lyrically, it's a little problematic. So what are you, how, how are you feeling about well, this album? I, you know, I, I feel like uh, it's got a, it's got a punk thing going on for sure, and um, that that kind of drew me in a little bit. Um, but I realized that there aren't a whole lot of songs on the album that I like. I'd never heard of the boys either. Um, yeah. In fact, I think I told you at one point, I'm like, this is a really cool playlist. I know all these bands. I enjoy all this music, except for the boys, who I've never heard of. And uh, and I think you're right. The second half of the album is stronger. It's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like they recorded them at two different two different eras you know two different time periods they, they kind of shelved half of it and said hey let's work on this maybe in about a year or six months and we'll we'll see what happens uh, yeah well this, the the second half is just much more dynamic right um the it's it's not just kind of like balls out rock they've got they've got interesting riffs mm-hmm. and kind of peaks and valleys and they're going in some cool places um uh, something notable about the boys is the guitarist and the keyboardist came from the band London SS. Oh, so we have heard of London SS before. Yeah, sure. So now the count is three. So London SS gave us Mick Jones of The Clash mm-hmm. and then a couple of members who went on to form The Damned. And now two members that are in the boys great so i picked the song cop car um and this is one of three songs off of this album that i absolutely loved Um, are there any more releases from the boys coming up? Not that I can remember. I honestly don't think there are. Okay. This may have Uh, been their only album. Okay. Well, we'll have to keep our eye eye open for that. Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's talk about Ian Dury. Is it it pronounced Ian or Ian? Yeah. Do you any idea? Ian? Uh, I've always heard Ian Dury. Yeah. 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 Um, so I have 
one word and one word only written down in my notes <laughs> to describe Ian Dury. Can you, and really there is only one word that you need. Like I, I could say this one word and then people could go and listen to this playlist and be able to, to identify him just like that. Do you know what that one word is? <laughs> no, go ahead. Cheeky. Yeah, okay. I think Ian Dury might agree. (laughs) Ian Dury is one cheeky motherfucker. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's the truth. And and something else that I noticed, and and this may not be true, um, like, like technically true, but when I was listening to this album on Spotify, you know how... For, for songs with explicit language, it's got an E on it. Right, right. Th- this is the first album I've ever noticed where every single song has an E next to it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the album uh, is called New Boots and Panties. Um, Q Magazine, which is a, a, an English rock magazine, Calls it um, the 39th uh, best British album ever. All right. <laughs> um, Rolling Stone nice. magazine thinks it it is the 495th greatest album of all time. So it just barely made their list. Mm-hmm. Um, stylistically, there's lots of different elements to oh, it. Totally. I mean, there yeah. there is disco. There is punk. There is pub rock there's straight ahead rock there's some blues there's i mean it's just all over the place let's not forget music hall <laughs> yeah that's right about, the, yeah we talked about i think last episode yeah but yet it's it's a pretty cohesive album just because his personality is so strong it's so strong yeah yeah um there's a real danger that he could be written <laughs> off as as being like a novelty act, uh-huh. except for the fact that the music is so good. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, whether it's disco or punk or whatever, man, th- his band is just right on the nose. Well, I really yeah. enjoyed this album. Uh, <laughs> that's that's one thing I noticed about it too. They're pretty tight. Um, the guitar is really good, and I had a feeling that you would like the uh, the couple of tracks in there that that felt disco like. You know, I had a feeling you'd be into those. Yeah, um, yeah. But but it is a really good album. So speaking of songs that that don't age very well, um, the first song I can't remember what it's called. It's something like "Wake Me Up Wait, So We Can up, Have Sex." Wake up and make love with me. Yeah, right, right. Um, that is a song about a guy having sex with his sleeping girlfriend. Oh God! <laughs> Doesn't yeah. it's yeah. not a not a song that ages very well. No. But um, so we both agreed on the song um, uh, to to feature today. And if you're listening in the UK. You're probably going to roll your eyes when we say that we pick sex and drugs and rock and roll because (laughs) that's really not um, a deep cut, except for it is a deep cut here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. because any 
Ian Dury song is a deep cut here in the U.S. <laughs> We've never have, have you ever heard one of his songs on the radio? I, I have, I have, um, but you only have. Through, uh, only through Music World Radio, which oh, I was okay. A DJ well, no, for. no, 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 that doesn't count. But I'm talking about commercial no, American commercial radio. Not at all. So never got traction here in the United States. Not at all. Um, I think this is a great album, and I think the best um, song off of the album was his big hit in the UK, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll Is all my brain and body need Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll Very good indeed. Keep your silly ways or throw them out the window. The wisdom of your ways. I've been there and I know lots of other ways. What a jolly bad show. If all you ever do is business you don't like. What I find interesting about this song is that. Uh, it's not listed on the track listing. Um, it was on early pressings, but not listed on the sleeve of the or the album cover. Really? Yeah, it was one of the early hidden tracks, you might say. Uh-huh. Uh, and and so I've got a, a track listing of ten, ten songs on the album, but Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll is like the last. It's the eleventh song on the album. So. Huh. I did um, not know that. Yeah, but but I I don't know. I dig it. I really dig it. So, did, did you like the whole album? I, this, this really felt like a Rob album yeah, to me. No, I really loved this whole album, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really did. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of albums that you love, I bet you love um, the second Iggy Pop album, Lust for Life. Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. So, um, the hits off of this album were Lust for Life, The Passenger, and Success. Um, Rolling Stone thinks that Lust for Life is the 147th greatest song of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this was the second and last album produced by David Bowie. Right. And David Bowie's fingerprints are all over this album. He wrote... He wrote the music from most of the songs while um, uh, Iggy Pop wrote the lyrics. So this album was released August 29th of 1977. So we just missed the anniversary. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's pretty cool. Um, I think this album still, for the most part, still holds up. Yeah, so my problem with this album is the three of the four really great songs mm-hmm. off of this album are mm-hmm. Lust for Life, Passenger, and Success, right. which have just been played into the ground. Well, I mean, yeah. I just, yeah. I'm so, I'm sure that if I had never heard those songs and I heard this album, I would be just over the moon for it. But the the other song that I love, which was both of our pick um, nice. to feature yes. for this, is Some Weird Sin, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great song we're, we're about to hear. But all the rest of it, I, I just, it just doesn't do much for me. Now, of note, it, there are two songs from here that David Bowie covers off of his Tonight album. Um, and unlike Little China Girl, 
um, the his covers that he he does are of, off of these off of this album are really inferior to to the originals. Yeah. But there's there's not much here other than these four songs. Not not much here for me to love. Right. Well, the three songs that you mentioned, Passenger Success, uh, Lust for Life, yeah. have been, not only have they been covered by a lot of bands, but they have been in tons of movies. Um, and commercials. And commercials. I mean, Lust for Life is for some cruise ship for yeah. Yeah, yeah. elderly, well, the, you know, for seniors. And so. Passenger Passenger was covered by one of my ultimate favorite bands, Susie and the Banshees, in 1987. Yeah. By the yeah. way, Iggy Pop really loved that version, and he praised yeah. them. Yeah, so, yeah. But you're right. Those songs are they are pretty much overdone. I mean... Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's listen to Some Weird Sin. Yeah. The feet get too straight. I can't bear it. I feel stuck, stuck on a pin. so much going on in that song. I feel like there's anxiety, rejection, neglect. It's kind of emotional, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, it is, I mean, the, the writing on that song is just amazing. I absolutely agree. It's, it sonically, um, it's really the, the composition of it and the, the, the chord structure of it along with the melody mm -hmm. are um, probably have uh, you know, mostly due to to David Bowie, um, uh -huh. but it's it's really distinct for me. I mean, the this was the first time I'd ever heard this song was when I sat down to listen to this album preparing for the show, yeah. and this song just absolutely leaped out at me. I was like, oh God, well this is the song. This has got to be the song. <laughs> we so let's move on to the Stranglers. The Stranglers, uh, they just released an album like three months ago but they're coming out with their second album no more mm -hmm. heroes this was even a bigger hit in the uk um the title track was um just a monster hit for them and one of their if not their most famous well no it's not the after golden brown it's it, it is certainly their most famous punk song Boy, we've talked a lot about <laughs> the Stranglers recently, so I don't know that we have to spend much time on this album. I, I will say, I will say this before we move on. Yeah. I the more I listen to the Stranglers, the more I like them. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, something I I do want to mention, and we tried to get it into the last episode, the Stranglers deep dive, but I it we had to cut it out because of time. Um, I wanted to talk just for a second about the band Elastica. 
Okay. So um, you're familiar with Elastica, right? Yeah. They were a they were a an alternative rock band in the '90s. Right. Um, that that got some real traction, and of all of the bands I've ever heard, this is the band that sounds the most influenced by the Stranglers. In fact, the the um, and I want to be very clear, it's not the Stranglers, it's not the members of the Stranglers, but the the entity that owned the publishing rights to the Stranglers songs sued Elastica for one of their songs because they felt like it sounded too much like No More Heroes. Oh, wow. Um, but Elastica is, if, if you like the Stranglers, particularly their earlier stuff, Go check out Elastica. We will play um, the song that they actually got sued for <laughs> at the end of this show, Sweet. Uh, th- this episode, so you can hear it. To me, it doesn't sound like a direct ripoff of No More Heroes, but but they're wearing their influences on their, sh- their sleeve, and it's a great, great song. And to be clear, the members of Stranglers, at least as everything that I could find, the members thought it was ridiculous that they yeah. were being sued. I, I can imagine that. I mean, if you've got a band that comes up and they're obviously influenced by your work, yeah. that's, to me, that is, um, I mean, that's something to be proud of, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you picked, uh, what song did you pick? I picked Something Better Change. Yeah, I've never been crazy about this song. Um, hmm. it, I think it's just fine. Uh Actually, what I like most about this song is it features one of the rare Hugh Cornwell um, guitar solos. And uh, we were, last episode, I went on a little bit of a rant about what an underrated guitarist he is because he didn't he didn't do a lot of flashy stuff. But anyone right. who s- says, well, he didn't do guitar solos because he wasn't a very good guitarist, this proves you wrong because his guitar solo in in this song is awesome it is really good um and this might not be a surprise to you but i'm a big fan of the uh, keyboard in this one too (laughs) (laughs) yeah well we we don't need to revisit that to the last notable album released in the summer of 77. The old adage, last but not least, is certainly applicable here because we are talking about the Talking Heads debut album, Talking Heads 77. 
Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Talking Heads. I think you know that, and you are as well. Um, well, this is this is my number one all-time yeah. favorite new wave band. So hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I I think that there's there's just some really good songs on this album. Um, it's not my my favorite Talking Heads album, but it, no, no, uh, me either. It's got some good stuff on it. Yeah. So um, in the teaser last month, we uh, we we were talking about the possibility of the first post-punk albums. So I, I would say that, that you could make an argument that Elvis Costello's My Aim Is True could be called a post-punk album. Sure. You know, but definitely the Talking Heads yeah. are post-punk. Yeah. So to me, this is... I am decreeing this is the first first official post-punk album to be released. Because what else is it? I mean, it's not. It's mm-hmm. certainly not punk. It's not new wave. It's not pop. It's almost I mean, not even rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, there there are other terms used to describe um, the Talking Heads, like. Yeah art rock but art rock is just a synonym for post-punk as far as i'm concerned it's a little pompous too i have to say (laughs) yeah that's right that's right but um you know david burns can be a little pompous yeah i I love him to death well he's he's got the chops for it so yeah yeah that's for sure my Um, my my favorite songs by the way come off of this album but again it's you know, it's not my favorite album, but but there, I just can't I can't love it enough. Yeah, and your your favorite song is Psycho Killer, which of course is their big hit off yeah, of this album. Absolutely. I mean, when I say big hit, it wasn't a hit at all, um, <laughs> but it is their most famous song now off of mm-hmm. this album. Mm-hmm. But it 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 didn't chart. Um, yeah, I I really like. But don't love any of the songs off of this album. Um, I picked the song Pulled Up because I felt like it was the most David Burnsy at his David Burnsy best. So here is a he is it's a it's a song about how much he appreciates the support of his parents, which is just a great topic for a post-punk song and um his take on it just just absolutely it's it's like dead on but it's also so funny at the same time (laughs) mommy daddy come and look at me now i'm a big man in a great big town
Okay, so that brings us to our mini dive uh, for this episode, oh, which is going to be. On. Oh, yeah. We, we want to didn't we want to jump into our our favorite summer '77. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. That that's right. So our our mini dive is going to be on um, Richard Hell and company, and we'll explain what that means uh, in a in a yeah. little second here. But first. Um, Let's let's anoint a best of show. Um, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that your your pick is um, Iggy Pop. Well, my friend, you're wrong. Okay. Um, that that album is a great album, and it's close yeah. to my fir- it's close to my very favorite. Um, but I think that I want to have to go ahead and say New Boots and Panties is my favorite of Summer of '77. Really? Yeah, okay, Ian Dury. Great. Ian Dury pulled it out for me. He did. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, any? You want to take a stab at what mine is, or do you yeah, want me to I, say it? I kind of think that it's. Hang on. I'm going to say Talking Head '77. No. Oh. R- Richard Hell. I oh, love of this album. Of course. I love. Yeah. Every song off yeah. of this album. Um, yeah. Th- I. I am astonished that I've gotten this far in my life and not heard this album, um, which is a perfect segue into our mini dive. Uh-huh. So um, Richard Hell really only put out two albums. So what we're, <laughs> we're going to do something a little bit different this time. We're we're doing a Richard Hell and his buddies <laughs> or as i most uh, more affectionately uh, referred to it as the hellish hellish mini dive <laughs> yeah right very good very good so what we're doing is we're talking about richard hell's releases and also the releases of the bands that he was in so let's talk a little bit about the history of richard hell i mean richard hell is significant for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that he's most famous for is uh, is having a huge influence on the punk rock look. So Malcolm McLaren, who went on to kind of fashion the look and the sound of the Sex Pistols, um, went to New York because he was obsessed with the New York Dolls. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he hung around Richard Hell a lot and loved Richard Hell's look. So Richard Hell, he he was the guy who, with the spiky hair and the torn up T-shirt with the safety pins and everything, that inspired um, Malcolm McLaren uh, when he went back to the UK, and so he he he. App- appropriated that look for the Sex Pistols and then of course it snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. In my estimation his much more significant um, contribution is his music. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, his his sound is is just just pure New York punk. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and um, Tom Verlaine mm-hmm. 
they were in a band called the Neon Boys, who didn't actually release an album, which evolved into television. But he left television before television <laughs> recorded their first album. Right. So we're going to hear a, a, a three television albums. Richard Hell isn't on any of them. <laughs> Man, I would love to hear what television sounded like with Richard Hell yeah, in it. Because he, he and Tom Verlaine, they have two completely different energies. Yeah. And I suspect that I would like tel uh, television a lot more with Richard Hell in there to balance out, you know, to pull Tom Verlaine's head out of his own butt, you know, and <laughs> and give him more energy and get him more focused. Well, one one thing that I have, one thing that I did read is that um, the Neon Boys and television uh, with Richard Hell, it's almost like they transformed and became a whole, their sound changed so much. Um before they they recorded their first album so. well yeah and in blank generation which we heard at the top of the show mm -hmm. that was originally a television song right yeah but richard l just took it with him when he left the band right he was a founding member of the heartbreakers mm -hmm. um with johnny thunder right who was from the new york dolls once the new york dolls mm -hmm broke up the heartbreakers had i believe two members uh from new york dolls oh okay yeah. i stand corrected yeah 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 um it was johnny johnny thunders and jerry nolan were both from the new york dolls uh-huh and uh but richard hell <laughs> uh once again exited before um the heartbreakers could record record anything so we're not going to be able to hear the heartbreakers <laughs> with, with richard hell and then richard hell um formed richard hell and the voidoids yeah i'm always insecure about that t that name whether or not i'm pronouncing yeah. that right because so, it doesn't sound like a real word well it's not a real word word but uh, so i'm really I'm really big on I'm really big on how bands got their names, and yeah. I'm always curious about this, you know. Um, and the story goes that Richard Hell, because he and Tom Verlaine grew up together and they went to school together, and they they ran away from school together, and then they joined the band, right? Um, they were sitting they were sitting out on the street one day, and people were just passing by, and and they were throwing names out there, and they were just adding the the the, the end oid onto any name so it'd be like you're a dustoid you're an asteroid oh. and then he said you're a voidoid and it just stuck yeah and then, yeah and I... then richard hell went on to do some writing and he used the voidoid as being like his mutant adversary in the novel that he was working on so i think that's a really interesting you know okay so let's um rank that this is going to be a very weird ranking of albums <laughs> because we're ranking three different bands oh yeah. and it should also be noted and I just, this fell off my radar, and it, I didn't realize it until just a couple of days ago, and so it was kind of too late for us to, um, uh, in the 90s, Richard Hell formed a band called the Dim Stars, mm -hmm. and um, it was a sort of like a, a post-punk super group, super or group, an alternative yeah. rock super group, because it was him and... I believe one other member from the Voidoids, mm -hmm. and then two members from Sonic Youth. Right. Um, 
And I did. Did you go and listen to any of their songs? Um, I did. I yeah. didn't choose any of them to play at this yeah. Uh, yeah. this episode. Um, I did listen to them, and, and they're okay for. Yeah, yeah. They sound very, very much of their time. Uh-huh. Um, nothing. I, you know, I was hoping that I would hear something that would inspire me to go back and rethink our playlist, but I, I really. Yeah. Maybe at some point I'll I'll give them another crack. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, our rankings. Do you, wanna go first? Do you uh, want to go first? Yeah. Do you want me to go first? I'll, I'll okay. go ahead and go first. So, um, I'm really big on the whole punk icon. I'm really big on uh, the punk anthem, which is Blank Generation. I agree yeah. with you. That was an amazing album. And if Ian Dury wasn't wasn't in the uh, summer of '77, it probably would have been my number one. But so my number one is Blank Generation. Uh, number two is LAMF. Number for three the heartbreakers. for the heartbreakers. Number three is Marky Moon for television. Yeah. Uh, number four is actually television, which surprised me. Um, oh yeah. Number five is Adventure, which was a television album, and mm-hmm. number six Destiny Street, which is Richard Hell and the Voidoids. Yeah. To be clear, um, w- neither of us have heard the full Destiny Street album. Is, is that correct? Um, yeah, right. Yeah, so right. because Spotify does not have it. However, they do have a comprehensive history compilation that has um, the majority of original songs. Now, I, I think there were two or three covers that weren't included on I it. Did, uh, I did look up the playlist, and I went to YouTube and played... Um, all of those songs, but oh, yeah. the, it's a combination of like studio cuts and uh, live stuff. I so see. it's not you're not going to hear the actual album. Yeah. Okay, my ranking. Um, there is one album that I absolutely love, and one album I really kind of hate, and then the rest of them I'm kind <laughs> of lukewarm on. Mm-hmm. And so the ranking really is pretty fluid in the the middle ones, but. Okay. Um, Obviously, the album that I absolutely love is um, Blank Generation. That's my number one Mm -hmm. for sure. My number two, um, believe it or not, is Television's Adventure. Nice. Okay. Um, Number three is um, The Heartbreakers, LAMF. Mm -hmm. I, I found that a really, I found that album a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, number four is Marquee Moon by Television. Number five is um, Television, eponymously titled Television from 1992. And boy, I hated Richard Hell's second album, Destiny Street. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be fair, once again, I haven't heard all of the songs, but if those were the best songs off the album, ugh. So Man, he, what happened? <laughs> let me let me go ahead and 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 kind of defend Richard here a little bit. Um, he went back years later and cut an album called Destiny Street Repaired, which uh-huh. went back to that album. He re-recorded his vocals, and then he brought in um, uh, uh, three, I think, new guitarists to play. Um, one of which is Mark Ribot, who is like one of my all-time favorite guitarists. Um, yeah. Um, so anyway, he uh, he went back and he he created um, Destiny Street Repaired, and brought these these new guitarists in. Um, 
and that was in 2009 and apparently that album critics love it a lot and it's the same album but the songs are done differently you, you can only get that album on his actual website though so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so let's uh let's go through these albums um the first album that was released relevant to our mini dive is television's marquee moon we yeah. have talked about this um before so I own this album. I pull it out every three or four years thinking, you know, maybe this time I'll click with it and it just <laughs> never happens. Really? Um, now, when we the when we talked about it previously, I found a song that I actually loved, which was See No Evil. Um, yeah. right. And that was my pick. Now you picked um, Elevation. And I kind I love this song too. Yeah. Are you hearing some Pink Floyd in here? Um, they they were definitely influenced by Pink Floyd, yeah. and that that's for sure. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Elevation. I love this tune. Um, and I, I think I've talked about Tony Fletcher before. He's a, a music critic and a music journalist. Um, he said that uh, this album was, in, in quotes, something entirely original, a new dawn in rock music. Um, and it, it got all these great praises, but as far as here in the U.S., it didn't do well at all. It sold under 80,000 copies. Yeah. 1977 also sees the release of Richard Hell's album, Blank Generation. This is uh, Rolling Stones number 21 as far as greatest punk albums. It was not particularly well received when it first came out. In fact, um, Trouser Press... The first um, edition of Trouser Trouser Press that addresses this album gave it a really poor rating. And then the next edition of it, uh, Lester Bangs, the, the famous rock critic, wrote a new review for it. 
and gave it five stars and yeah. called it one of the greatest albums ever. I've I've um, noticed I've noticed that a lot of retroactive reviews yeah. do nothing but rave about it when it didn't uh, it didn't do too well at the, yeah. at the start. So I've expressed my love for this album. I want to mm-hmm. just like compare this album to the Boomtown Rats album because they come out at the same time. Uh-huh. Now this may sound a little silly talking about albums that have been out for almost 40 years, but when you when when you put the two albums side by side, now the these are both albums that I had never heard before, so they're both fresh to me. Mm-hmm. Richard Hell's album sounds fresh and vital and alive and timeless whereas the boomtown rats sounds played out and tired and and dull and uninteresting yeah uh okay so let's um let's listen to another song off of this album this is the song that i picked and we can talk about it um once once we come back it's called betrayal takes two Betrayal takes two Who did it to who? I mean not to be cut By your dull point of view Well, feelings will change We're helpless, they must But we like it that way Eliminates trust But that cut on your How surprised were you that I picked this song? Uh, you know, I'm not actually. Really? <laughs> I'm not actually. Because on paper, yeah. I should hate this song. I mean, it's it's got the out of tune lyrics. It's you know, it's kind of sluggish. It's mm-hmm. it doesn't have any propulsion to it. Um, it's got that that blues rock, white boy blues rock yeah. thing yeah, that I hate. Good. It's not particularly catchy, but yet. Like the very first time I heard this song, like just two or three seconds into this song, I was totally hooked. I mean, this is a guy that he he is wearing his heart on his sleeve. Not many people can pull off a song like this, but the lyrics are just so raw mm-hmm. and and not calculated, and I, I just. I think this song is astonishing. Well, Richard Hell is definitely one of the new romantic poets of our time. Um, but I, I want to say that as far as anything that you do surprising me, uh, I have been surprised so many times that I have learned not to be surprised. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's my, my two favorite songs off of this are Blank Generation and this. And, and, and as and are those mine. Two yeah. songs, those two songs are... Ex- the, the the two most uh, at the two extremes yeah, you know and are. the fact that he can pull off both of those in the same album mm-hmm. astonishing yeah. i 
I there is a good chance that I never stop listening to this album. Oh, you that's know? cool. I, I think it's just going to be on my playlist, you know, and coming up forever. I think this is going to be one of those timeless, yeah. classic, you can't listen to it enough times. Well, after, pl- after playing the album uh, for this episode, I just wonder, can it actually get any better? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so 1977. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Heartbreakers yeah. released their one and only album, LAMF, mm-hmm. a month later. Of course, this is after Richard Hell leaves. <laughs> of course. So um, <laughs> tell everybody what LAMF stands so for. LAMF came from uh, New York City, uh, where where uh, they would see, you know, uh, graffiti tagging on the wall, and under under the name of whoever tagged it they would put l-m-a-f which means l-l-a-m-f l yeah l-a-m-f yep which means like a motherfucker like a motherfucker yeah yeah so um you picked the song chinese rocks this Ah. was the only song that i was familiar with by the heartbreakers because it pops up on the punk compo- compilations. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sometimes you surprise me. Mm-hmm. Did not surprise me with this one. <laughs> okay. It does not surprise me that you picked the song that was written by D.D. Ramone now, and Richard Hell. Now, now, this is what I want to talk about about this song. This is why I picked this song. I'll tell you, when I first played this song, uh, I played it for my wife, and she's like, I know that song. That sounds, and I'm like, she, she, I said, well, it sounds like the Ramones, doesn't it? She said, yeah, but the truth is, is that it is unproven whether the Ramones wrote it, whether D.D. Ramone wrote it. See, Richard Hell says that he wrote it, and D.D. Mm-hmm. Ramone says that he wrote it. And I Well, they're both credited. They're both credited, but yeah. they're only both credited because neither would back down, and they just went oh. with it. So, yeah, um, apparently uh, uh, apparently Richard says that he took it, he wrote it, and he took it to the Heartbreakers um, rehearsal, and they played it. And then, of course, uh, a couple years later, the Ramones record it. And Dee Dee said, well, I gave it to Jerry, uh, Jerry Nolan, and uh, he took it to the Heartbreakers rehearsal. And that's oh. why, that's why Richard Hell ended up with it. So, but well, damn it! I had this fantasy of Richard Hell and Dee Dee Ramone sitting down in a room with guitars yeah. and banging that yeah. sucker out. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> but I, you know, so I would like to think that Richard Hell wrote it. At the same time, it really sounds like a Ramone song. It, it really sounds like a Ramone song. Yeah. So um, I am not crazy about this album. It's um, it's sounding a little too much like the New York Dolls for me. You know that kind of sloppy New York '70s rock thing. Yeah. But but I like it well enough.
So yeah, that was Chinese Rocks. And and again, it sounds like a Ramon song. It's it's to me it's kind of hard, you know. It's it's about drugs. It's about uh it's about heroin for one thing, but um that is a I mean, that's a Richard Hell punk rock thing to do, you know. It's it was a, a kind of a crazy lifestyle, so. Yeah. I'm now that I know that nobody is saying that they wrote it together, <laughs> yeah. that that they're credited because they both claim, uh-huh. I, it's there's no doubt in my mind who wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> because it doesn't sound like a Richard Hell song. <laughs> it sounds like a Ramon song. Yeah. 1978 sees the release of the second television album called Adventure. Now, I am probably the only person in the world who thinks that event, uh, Adventure is a better album than uh, Marquee Moon. That's, that is really interesting. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, critics, critics basically seem to really like uh, Adventure, except they all say it's not as good as Marquee Moon. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think the reason is right there in the title. Um, this album is more of an adventure. I mean, um, Tom Verlaine kind of, he's he he's taking his head out of his butt a little bit mm. more and looking around and, and trying different things. It, sonically, he's kind of looking in the nooks and crannies and it's not, it's not as complative uh-huh. and, um, and, uh, Pretentious. I know pretentious is a word that's used a lot in criticism of television, yeah. um, and I think that this album is is just a a, a lot more f- well adventuresome mm-hmm. and forward thinking. Interesting. A little um, bolder, maybe, and a little uh, uh, yeah. I guess yeah, more more dynamics to it for uh-huh. sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Case in point, the song that I picked from this album called Foxhole. surf music kind of i don't know it's just it's just really cool this the whole well, sound yeah, yeah and the the, the uh the energy level is really high yeah 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 which i like i i i really kind of love this song yeah 1982 sees the release of richard hell and the voidoids second album destiny street i don't know what what the heck happened between <laughs> um 
that album, uh, Blank Generation, and this album. But I just could not get into this album. Well, at least the songs that I heard off of this album. Um, this, this was this is your least favorite as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that perhaps he was kind of growing out of that uh, high energetic, uh, you know, punk rock icon, and, and you know, was just kind of he was maturing. Drop out. Down in downtown, there's a club I wanna take me to, where I can hide and slip inside the crack of dawn with you. Voices own Robert Christgau said uh, he called this album fuller and jazzier than Blank Generation, which he might be right. It's jazzier, but Blank Generation wasn't a jazz album anyway, so that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and did did he like it or he, because because fuller and jazzier aren't necessarily good things he did like it um oh, he but did i like will it, yeah. say this about Criscow. um i feel that his tastes lend towards the more commercially sound albums mm-hmm. and i think maybe you know where blank generation is punk rock because punk rock is not commercial it's you know it's kind of wild and, and and let loose um so that might be the reason that might be the reason but but he did like this album the last album we're going to talk about today is television's third album simply tied titled television released in 1992 mm-hmm. now i gotta be just upfront about this um like right up at the top there were so many albums to listen to yeah. this time around yeah. that I, by the time, this was the last album that I tackled, and I was just, I was done. So I <laughs> sampled most, of, well, I sampled all of the songs and listened to a few of them and went, okay, sounds very like early 90s, you know, Alt rock, mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Which is, which is got right. it. Don't really want to invest more time in it. I'll just let Rob pick the song. Fantastic. So, so I did not. I didn't give this album a fair crack. Yeah. Maybe at some point I'll go back. Um, you know, once yeah. I'm a little, a little less bogged down with the 1970s CBGB music. Right. Um, and uh, give it another crack. But what, I, what do you think about it? Well, I think you should. Um, you know, y- your your top six list or your favorites in order and ranking and mine, we were almost right on with every single album, right? Um, this was my number four, and I'll say that number four doesn't mean I didn't like it. It means it was n- not yeah. my favorite. Um, and I did like it. Um 
but it's, it came out 14 years after Adventure, you know? Yeah. 14 years. So it was like a whole different vibe at that point. Um, and uh, very, very different than anything they'd done. Yeah. One, yeah. Critic, one critic called it uh, medicinal. And he, he meant that <laughs> he, uh, he's like, I know that they're worthy, but I rarely feel like listening voluntarily. That's yeah. <laughs> so. That's how he takes his medicine. I have to take it, but I don't do it because I want to. <laughs> yeah. So um, I I liked the song that you picked uh-huh. called "No Glamour for Willie." Right. This song was driving me nuts because it really reminded me of another band, and it took me forever to oh, figure really? out what it was. Okay. You know who this sounds like? In fact, if I if you had just played this song and asked asked me who the band was i would have said without any doubt oh that's gotta be the church interesting this sounds like such a church song and of course in 1992 that was sort of like not too long after the church's heyday right you know so i i think they were they they might have their sound might have had an influence on this song you know as as far as the writing uh, as far as this song i think that this song probably would have done well on um marquee moon if it if it were played by television from back in that day uh, as opposed to you know 1992 i think it would have done all right mm-hmm. i have some wishes you could say Sometimes I think to pack them all away Don't get me wrong, sweetheart I think this world is grand But certain things just don't Okay, well, that's it for our mini dive. Um, and th- we're about ready to wrap up the summer of 1977 episode. Um, really the best season yeah, yet. Really? Um, and it's, it's, I can't say for certain that it's going to be better in the fall, but we have got some really great stuff coming up um so i'm so excited including um we are going to hear a release well probably the most famous punk album of all time yeah and we're going to hear the debut from another punk band which is one of the most famous or not most famous but most influential punk bands as far as influence not really being big at least not here in the states never hit in the states but influencing a ton of artists 
Um, so I'm looking forward to that for sure. That's going to be a lot of fun. Well, the roller coaster is definitely rolling. I mean, it's you know we're up yeah. for, we're we're kind of in for a good ride, I think. So, as always, check the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. That'll take you to our a playlist, so you can listen to all of these songs um, in their entirety. Um, Great music, fantastic music. I love this playlist. So you can uh, reach us on Instagram at Deep Dives and Deep Cuts. You can get us uh, on email, deepdive.deepcuts at gmail.com. Or you can get us on Facebook, Deep Dives and Deep Cuts on Facebook. So we're all over the place. Um, post pretty regularly on there, whether it's uh, birthday pictures of punk rockers or, uh, you know, quotes from your favorite songs. Um, oh, yeah. Total revelation for me. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I I had no idea that the lead singer of the Go-Go's was in the Germs. Oh, Belinda Carlisle. She's a No she's idea. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. She was the drummer. She was the drummer yeah. of the Germs. Right. Okay. So, so yeah, so, there's all kinds of cool stuff on Instagram and Facebook. You guys should check it out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you've gotten this far, then you obviously like our show. Yeah. Um, please do go to Apple Podcasts and give us a, a and write a review. Yeah, give us it, a rating. It, it really helps to um, for other people to find us. Hmm. Otherwise, I think that's about it. Once again, we're going to go out on Elastica, a band from the 90s, um, heavily influenced by both the bands Wire and The Stranglers. Anything else you want to cover before we go? No, man. This was a blast. This was a blast. All right. What great music. Man, we are in the thick of it now. I'm so excited. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Okay, everybody, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Yep, see ya.